Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a very good morning, Heels. Virtually no time to even say good day to you today no because we've got such music. a packed show. No time for that music, is it? I know. Come on, get a bit of weekend into us. Hey, we've had uh, soaking <laughs> overnight rain too. I hope they've got it on the fire grounds to give our fireys and all the residents out there worrying. Righto, they yeah. they still, you know, flaming away, are they? Oh, there was. The fire grounds? Yeah. Yeah, so oh. let's hope it's gone right through the downs and all that sort of Ooh, thing. Oh, yes. It, it poured last it's, night. Yeah, well, it got, I saw the weather on the on the news last yeah. night and the Southern Downs got heaps yesterday. Yeah. So that's good. Yep, that's great. That's, uh, they've been working their little backsides off out there, so let's hope they're all, they're all okay. Hey, we're here for the um, for Burbank Homes. Uh, they're the builders you can trust. You can bank on Burbank Homes and, of course, the all-new Hyundai Kona. It's imagined to be bold. We'd love you to join us. Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line, 13, 13, 55. We haven't done with the World Cup by any stretch. Oh, you beauty. Or the text line, 0467 736 736. Uh, we've called on a couple of your great mates and, and my mates as well, uh, AB and Andy Bickle. So we're going to relive a couple of those great moments in Australia's sporting history. Uh, two of the six World Cup victories. Uh, and uh, Andy and AB will join us uh, through the show today. And uh, we'd love to, uh, if you've got questions for them, uh, by all means, send them through or give us a yell. Uh, 13, 13, 55, or 0467, 736, 736. They're, they're two men who uh, will have a really true appreciation of just how satisfied uh, the players are feeling today and yesterday and having gotten that job done, you mm. know, against the odds. Gee, Bick pulled us out of a couple of against the odds battles in Port Elizabeth in 2003. Uh, and, of course, AB... Um, 87, way, way, way outsiders. They beat uh, England at Eden Gardens. Well, I'm just reading uh, some of the stories and he's saying that uh, Cummins' decision to bowl, and he said, has it turned out one of the most inspired ever? But he said at the time he wasn't thinking that. Yeah, righto. Well, I heard uh, Chuck Berry on uh, SEN, sort of a bit flabbergasted, uh, Mm. saying, What? And uh, so it was a decision that could have backfired on Pat himself personally, yeah. but he took it on with the support of his team. Mm. He's and he did say that this is stuff that we didn't get a chance to play on the show yesterday because this is, was in the post match presser. But uh, he's saying that ODI all of a sudden is up near the top of the tree again in his eyes. I did fall in love with ODI again this this World Cup. Um, I, I think the scenario where every game really matters it, it, it means it, it does mean a bit different to just a bilateral so uh, that's huge that's I think that's the pinnacle of uh, 
international cricket, winning a one-day World Cup, especially over here in India in front of a crowd like this. You'll get one more to go. One more to go, Paddy. <laughs> what do you reckon it is? <laughs> to win the Ashes. Oh, over there, yeah. You've got to win the Ashes. We haven't won the Ashes oh, since no. 2001. Yeah. So there, there's your next pinnacle. Hmm. That's for sure. And and when you, you know, it's it's easy to say oh, I fell in love with One Day Internationals again. Well, did he own up to falling out of love with it, or did he just <laughs> drag his ass around? You know, <laughs> come on, fire up when you're playing for Australia every game. Hmm. Um, he spoke also about the gamble that was Travis Head. Uh, Trav Head was phenomenal. Um, I think I said it on stage. I mean. Uh, I think a lot of credit should also go to you know, Andrew McDonald and, and George Bailey, the selectors, to take a punt. You know, he had a broken finger, <laughs> a broken hand for the half of the tournament, but to keep him in the squad was a huge risk. Um, and the medical team were fantastic, obviously, to, to get him into a, a place where he could perform. So um, that, that was a big risk. I think we could have been made to look really silly if that didn't pay off. Yep, uh, yeah. the rankings of the match, they gave him 10, uh, which is hard to argue with. Um, Travis? Yeah, yes. Mate, did you see him field in his first game back with, from that broken hand? No, no <laughs> He was rubbish. No, he was rubbish. Remember in Mashala, I think it was, uh, he, he couldn't even put his knee down and put his hands behind the ball. He was fumbling stuff and <laughs> missing stuff down on the rope. And now he's, he's totally back. Yeah, he's throwing himself around like about a Warnie's Nostradamus today? Did you read that? Yes. <gasps> Because in 2016 he said, oh, "I'm a big, I'm a big rap for Travis Head as a cricketer." Yeah, uh, everyone said that probably, but now Warnie's the Nostradamus. <laughs> well, yeah, on uh, on social media, there's been a few claiming that. Yeah, so I oh, remember what I said, you know, five years ago. <laughs> well, when South Australia made him captain, he's the youngest state captain at yeah. 21, and uh, you, you know, and yet we still haven't sort of tipped him to be the, Australia's next captain yet. Mm. So maybe that will be the next step. Uh, the Indian coach was, he, he was humble. He, he admitted uh, they were outplayed. Like I said, you know, it's probably also a function of the fact that just when we thought we were settling in and looking to go, um, you know, you just felt that the guys were looking to go and then you lost a few wickets. So um, just on the day, we probably didn't execute and Australia played better than us. Let me just clarify. India did say they were going to bat first, didn't they? You don't know. I didn't see the toss. No, I, I did. I. I, wanted, I wanted to watch back a few times and just see where mm. he tossed the coin to. You know, you know, Rowett has been throwing it three metres away. Yeah. I, I wondered if that happened or, or and he got it to – was it the Oppo logo they were going to try to get the coin in? Um, because <laughs> I did see uh, the referee picking up the coin around the Oppo logo. I, yeah. I wondered in the final, did he hoy it, you know, three metres to the Oppo um, or not? But I – I vaguely remember India sort of saying, no, we would have batted. But I think it spooked them. They're, yeah. they're talking about uh, the Indian batsmen were spooked because of the pressure, the being t- being asked to bat and knowing you're going to have to post 350, that's hard. Mm. And we spooked them. Well, Rahul Dravid's reaction, as I said there, Australia just played better than us, uh, was a lot better than quite a few of the uh, a few of the fans because Steve Smith's highlighted some of the, the hate speech. It's been directed at him and Ooh. the Aussies. Whereabouts? What, from the stands? On, so, oh, on social media. No, social well, there was media. no one left in the stands. They've all gone home. No, I'm, on, I'm thinking through the game or something. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's been on social since. Really vitriolic stuff that I've read, that some of the things that Steve Smith has highlighted mm. through Twitter, and, uh, et cetera, this what morning. Are, what is X doing? Come on, Muskie. Mm. You've got to get your, you gotta get your uh, gateways much better. 
Yeah, get rid you, of that you stuff. You can't have that. There's got to be some standards. The other one was uh, Mitch Marsh uh, relaxing and had his feet on the trophy. That hasn't <laughs> yeah, on gone the over ball. well. On the top of the yeah, ball. on the top of the ball. Oh. Uh, that hasn't gone and over big well. Big feet too. <laughs> big boys and the hoofs. <laughs> I, lo- I love they all had to do a dance with the trophy. From my memory, it's quite heavy. They're making it look quite light. It'd be, um, you know, just over 10 k's probably, I reckon. Oh, is it? Maxwell got it over his head mm. doing a few jigs in front of the mirror. <laughs> they are all having a bit of a go. A few hiding. I reckon Josh Inglis was around the corner. He wasn't He wasn't going to get in and dance with it while the cameras were in there. Now, I said this to you. Did you have a read of it, the ICC team of the tournament? Yeah, tough gig, eh? Yeah. Tough gig to pick that. Yeah. How, how are you picking it? The, the selectors were pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. Ian Bishop and Shane Watson uh, among the commentary team. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, one of the journ- leading journos, uh, one of the officials. They picked it. But So this was the, the, the 11... Uh, that they named as the the team of the tournament, uh, Quinton de Cock and Rod Sharma, hard to argue with. Yeah, but they blew up in the last game. Yeah. Anyway, Coley, uh, Daryl Mitchell at four, Kale Rahul at five, Glenn Maxwell at six, seven Ravi Jadeja, eight Boomra, nine uh, Matashanka from Sri Lanka, ten Zampa. Saw what you did there, Matashanka from Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. and, and eleven Mohammed Shami. It's pretty hard to argue with all of them, to tell you the truth. You yeah. could have had a few others. So you had one... Hey, are all good enough at five? I mean, is he... Um, yeah. Uh, and when you're not going to keep with him, uh, is there no better than at five? Oh, I can't think of anyone, but... But, um, what? yeah, what else do you think of it? You mm. think it's all fine? Well, look, it's hard to put Travis Head in there, isn't it? Because we didn't see him for half the tournament. Yeah. And this is a tournament-wide judgment by the... Uh, by the expert panel. And do you think, it, does it sound like statistically driven? Yeah, that that's the way the, the, the press release they sent out, it was attached with a lot of statistics to each of the players mm. as to how many runs, wickets, catches, et cetera. Mm. Well, you know, anyone could have picked that team then. That, pretty much. You don't need Bish and Watto, yeah. you know, who have got intuition and, and you know, they didn't need to use any of their intuition. Mm. It just goes straight with stats. So you had one from South Africa, one Sri Lanka, one New Zealand, two Australians, Maxwell and Zampa, and six from India. So Sharma, Kohli, Rahul, Boomer and Jadeja. <laughs> all their batsmen average more than 50, and all their bowlers average less than 25, yeah. India. <laughs> what do you That's think? why it was a magnificent victory. Magnificent underdog victory. Was Australia hard done by in the team? Well, it doesn't matter, does it? It's, hey. it's, we've got the trophy. We're coming home with the Unless cup. Unless it costs Australia a million dollars or something. I'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, love to know what you think. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line, 131355. The text line, 0467 736 736. And, uh, and look, World Cup is not the only thing happening. We've got John Millman joining us on the show. Yeah. He was frantic the other day when he announced his retirement, but we wanted to have a chat to him, particularly after Crash's great story about, you know, what, what a, a great bloke he is. He went up to visit Scobie Malone, who's a, a friend of ours, Paul Malone, who, who we'd lost uh, some time ago now, but they were, they were great friends. And he, Norman, as a player, had a, great, uh, had a great admiration for Scobie as a journo. And, uh, and, yeah. and I think that's a Brisbane thing. Yeah. We've got a very close affinity between journalist and player, haven't yeah. we? And superstar. Yeah. Uh, all bad. You know, if you, if you fall out with someone, yeah. a scabby, you'll feel it. Yeah. But it, that sort of uh, emotion in, in relationships gets lost more in Melbourne and Sydney. Mm. But Brisbane, very, very close. Massive night for the Suns. 
and they've stayed in their own backyard with the Gold Coast Sons Academy, which mm. I think is great that, that through this draft they've been allowed to keep the kids that they've nurtured. And well, I th- they've I kept enough awesome. points, haven't they? Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, I, look, I, I, don't I don't think it's fair. It. I don't, I don't think it's fair. But they get, they're still getting advantages. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're using them. They're mm. certainly uh, making the most of it. Have you seen them? Yeah, there's some impressive-looking kids. Yeah, that's them, right. The, the bloke with Damien Hardwick, right. um, he's a reed, I think, too, isn't he? There's reeds everywhere. Right. Number one pick is a, a reed from Bendigo going mm. to West Coast, and we've got a reed picked third, and we're going to talk to Jake Rogers, eh? Yeah, we're going to have a chat to Jake Rogers. He was, he was matched. Sydney picked him up at pick yeah. 14, and we had the right to match by the sound of it. Don't pretend you know what's happening. He no, goes, we come the, on. We do the draft in BPL, mate. Huh? Well, yeah, I know drafts now. Oh, do you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if if the Gold Coast Suns had enough points in their bank, mm. they could they will match anyone yeah. who picks up. But Sydney, for example, they're entitled to we want him. Yeah. And then the Gold Coast Suns say we would like to match because they've got enough points. And there's a bit of colluding going on yes. overnight. Clearly there was. North Melbourne and Gold Coast Suns. Mm. Yeah. Well, Ethan Reed was the one you were talking about. He's two hundred and two centimetres. So he was standing mm. beside Damien Hardwick. Just see, it was just towering. Yeah. And, and we got him at pick nine, didn't we? <laughs> and and Jack is in my ear saying, and moves like a gazelle. Yeah, yeah that's what we want. <laughs> that's what we want to hear. We want gazelles all over Heritage Bank. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got Gavin Kirkman coming on too, the PGA CEO. Yeah, uh, well known to us all. They're heading for a huge week out there. The party hole was in. Uh, in Prospect yesterday, they've got a little function today with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman uh, highlighting mm. their uh, their lawn skills. Leishman in particular is just, he loves his lawn. Does Spins he cut it with scissors? Just about. Yes. Trims it with scissors, I think. Yeah, like uh, when they were endeared to the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour did a wonderful like, feature piece on him. Uh, obviously, I think that's probably gone by the way. So this, that's disappeared into the ether since he joined the live golf circuit. But anyway, um, it's six sixteen. Vanessa's standing here patiently waiting. Wait, did you watch the draft last night? See, I always find them mm. the most confusing of things. I only caught the very end. Actually, I was out at a meeting last night, um, and yeah, I was like, oh well, the, the price you pay as a good team is that you don't get any early action. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh, the Lions aren't really doing much yeah. yet at this point. You know, they'll have a couple of picks a bit later on, but. But anyway, that's okay. It's mm. good old, um, yeah, well done to Harley Reid. It's very exciting. Yeah, and so we're an established team that don't need much. Is that how we've set ourselves up? We might need to just fill a bit in in the next three to five yeah. years. We'll use that type of Yeah, person. that's right. And remember last year how we picked up Will Ashcroft and yes. Jasper Fletcher in the draft, you know, Will being the number two pick that we were able to get through Father Son. So, you know, like it's it's a bit fun when some of those things get thrown in. Um, it's getting a bit cloudy too, Patty. You've been reading about that Father Son. Oh, there's yeah. a, bit, a bit of uh, shenanigans going on there. Mm-hmm. And last year someone didn't vote for Dacos. They moved him down one yep. so someone saved some points and mm. someone didn't go for Will Ashcroft so we could. Yeah. Well, it's all odd again. It's very um, strategic. Now, we were chatting about the rain and it's mm. been great. Has it got to the fire grounds, do you know? Has it, has it 
douse these fires out yeah. of the bounds. Look, I, yeah, I think they're in a much better situation. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. So uh, things looking a bit better there. And uh, I think the evacuated residents have been allowed back Good. to their homes in that area. Um, look, if you are driving this morning, though, keep the radio on, but don't touch your phone. The latest stats are out about I how many Queenslanders it. have been caught using their mobile phones just from January to October this year. 55,000 people caught, you know, so there'd be a lot more out there as well. The government raking in $95 million in fines. This one, I can't believe, the 26,000 seatbelt infringements. You know, it's not hard to put your seatbelt on. That's just automatic Uh, now. That's a behaviour that changed. Yep. Decades but ago. also remember that you can't put it kind of behind your half. body or, yeah, <sighs> that's right. They sometimes crack down on that as I know, well. I know a lady who slipped her shoulder out, out of the strap to lean around the back yeah. as a passenger yep. to uh, fix the baby seat up in the back seat. Yeah. She got done. <sighs> See. For, on a camera. It's rough so out there. She but still just... had it around the body. It's like 1100 yeah. bucks or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very steep. Ooh, yes, come on, well, it's... we need the gabber done. <laughs> it's See? not <laughs> worth it. Yeah, 95 <laughs> million, <laughs> no. then they go. Not worth touching your mobile phone. Now, look, um, there's some stats out today, too, about our spending habits. And it shows that, you know, cost of living is biting, but and young Australians are reigning in their spending, mm. even on essentials like groceries and pharmaceuticals, um, but choosing instead to spend their money on entertainment. So they are cutting down on homework and clothes and things instead going to movies, concerts and sporting events. And it shows that those in the older age categories have increased their spending on travel and eating out. Ah. So there you go. Mm. Now, speaking of older people, um, Joe Biden oh, has been... And you, um, look, you look straight know, at me when you said that. <laughs> no, I'm heading to the US because um, I always have a giggle at this US tradition where they do... It's Thanksgiving this weekend and mm-hmm. they do the presidential pardon of the turkey, turkey and they get these giant turkeys that they travelled like on a train apparently about a 1,000 miles. These Thanksgiving turkeys, they end up at the White House, the president... President gives them a pardon, and so they're let free rather than ending up on somebody's Thanksgiving table. Okay. Um, a double celebration for Joe Biden. It was his 81st birthday oh. as well yesterday. Um, but look, there was a bit of a moment of confusion for Joe Biden in pardoning the turkeys, where he actually had a bit of a mix-up between our favourite Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and Britney Spears. Take Your a Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or Britney's tour. She's down in, it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. Britney's not in Brazil. No. Did the turkeys Taylor come Swift from Brazil? Is. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then he's talking about the Renaissance tour, which is Beyonce as well. <laughs> That's as a triple mix yeah, up. No, no. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where so the Renaissance is. Era, but... isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. There we go, see. Yeah. And Lee's anyway. got a fun fact here. And is Beyonce. Yes. What's Britney? She's just no, got a book. Yeah, she's got a book. Yeah, she's got a new yeah. book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's got a fun fact here from today's NFL game because two of the, uh, the guns Ooh, beat yeah. the Chiefs and the Eagles this morning. So Travis is playing against his brother and the Eagles have a player with the last name Swift. There we go. Thank oh, you, Lee, for that little fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dave from the Goldie. We always love Dave from the Goldie. Team of the World Cup Heels, Australia. Yeah. All of them. We agree. Thank you, Vanessa. We'll be back. Frantic week for racing this week. The hills are in Rocky today. 
Uh, racing action continues right across the Sunshine State. You can check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing. But remember, what's gambling really costing you for free and confidential support? Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hey, I thought we might go down a little different route today. We normally have trainers or jocks on uh, the odd days where we don't have Chris Nelson on board, but mm-hmm. I thought we'd go straight to the top today. We go to the chair. Chairman of the BRC, Neville Bell, because he had a pretty poignant win at the weekend. Neville, a very good morning to you. Uh, Good morning, boys. And, um, yes, uh, it's uh, a little bit overcast here at Eagle Farm this morning. 35 mil of rain overnight put the uh, end to the barrier trials that were scheduled this morning. But, uh, but look, uh, everything uh, is really good down here. Which you can watch from your balcony when they're on, (laughs) can't you? Uh, Correct, correct. Yes, yes. No, um... Um, uh, very privileged to live here in Ascot Green, right on the uh, on the, over- overlooking the great track. So it's it's an amazing place to live. But uh, but look, you're right. The the racing, the summer racing season really got underway with the bang last Saturday. And I was, as you mentioned, I was very happy and fortunate to be part of uh, of the Malula Bar Cup and, and mm-hmm. winning that. Yeah, I thought it was a great gesture of you, Neville, and your other owners to let Boris Thornton have half a kilo extra. Yes, look, look, um, <laughs> Boris uh, came to us earlier in the week, and uh, and like a lot of the jockeys, you know, uh, these days it's a real weight battle for them, apart from those natural guys. And um, and look, he'd been coming and doing a lot of the work, and uh, we like to stay uh, loyal to these guys who put in the hard yards and. And look, he got the result at the end, so it was uh, it was a very much a, a happy ending for all the work that he did. Yeah, we're talking June forty-five, of course, and it was uh, it was a great ride and a very good win, and it's your horse naturally. But you've been, you've been in owning you know, you've owned horses for three decades. We know that, and you've had some great success. Sky Heights, of course, won you a Caulfield Cup and an AJC, AJC Derby, but. This one, and I was talking to Chris Nelson yesterday. He said, you should get the chairman on because this one was pretty poignant. We know you're chair of the BRC, but you've got a, a really good relationship with the Sunshine Coast Turf Club and, and the track at Caloundra, haven't you? I, I do. Um, uh, I was talking to Chris on uh, on Saturday. And, uh, yes, look, I've, I love the club up there. I've been a, um, a long-term member, joined in 1985 before the tracks were even open. Uh, <laughs> one of the first first 100 that put money into uh, to try and get a track established up there on the Sunshine Coast and that eventually happened with uh, with the great Russ Hins uh, helping us uh, to get that track established and uh, it's just gone from strength to strength and those guys up there, you know uh, Murray Weeding, the track uh, manager and Johnny Miller and and Peter Boyce, uh, they you know, they probably don't get the accolades that they mm. should get. It's really a great club and a great track. People just love to race there and punters just love to bet on it. Yeah, it is a great track. And, and Chris was saying to me, you had the choice. Well, I mean, you and, and the others had a choice of, of two venues, one of them where it is at now at Caloundra and the other one was, was at Coolum. Was that right? That's right. Look, I wasn't part of that committee that was doing that. I was just in, in the in the background. Uh, but that was there were two sites there back in the day, uh, where it is now, and, and one up at Coom. I think both sites were owned by uh, I think it was Henry Corbold who who uh, put both sites up as a, a gift to the government to establish a, a racetrack on the Sunshine Coast, and um, and eventually um, that's where it ended at, at Caloundra and. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's really reaping the reward, rewards of uh, where it's located. 
Yeah, um, it, like this year, uh, Nev, the the value of uh, has been highlighted of racing in the the winter carnival in Queensland and probably the summer carnival. Uh, uh, the you know the focus has been strong, hasn't it? It, it has. Look, look, we had outstanding results from um, the the horses that won the big races here in um, in Queensland, in Brisbane during the winter. Of course, you can't get any higher than winning the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup and the Everest, all from horses that competed and won here at, um, uh, during the winter. But, but look, the Summer Carnival is 10 weeks. It started last week. It uh, culminates um, in down the Gold Coast for their two great meetings, the Wave and the Magic Millions Day. And you know, we passed the baton to them after our last, race meeting here on the 30th of December, which has all the wildcard races to get uh, uh, horses into uh, the million-dollar races on, on Melbourne Cup Day. On uh, Magic Millions Day. Magic Day. Millions Day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it won't yeah. be long. won't be but, long on being in Melbourne Cup. Yeah. We've got Tats Day this Saturday at Doombin. Uh, it's frantic. $25 million in prize money. <laughs> it's, it's really exciting. But as Heald's mentioned, I mean, it's not a secret. They all know down south, get your horses up here for the winter because they take enormous benefit from it come mm. the spring, don't they? Oh, they do. Look, it's been proven since you go back to the days of Tommy Smith, TJ. He yeah. used to bring it. He used to do that all the time. Bring bring up his his sort of slow developing two and three year olds. The, the New Zealanders come across the ditch to it every year, doing with the same thing. And uh, and Chris Waller and and Joe Pride, they've they've got on the bandwagon in recent years and. And Godolphin, they're all great supporters of the meetings up here. So while we'll never match it prize money-wise with Sydney and Melbourne, we're a very strong third in the pecking order and we provide great opportunities for those um, those horses that just take a little bit more time as two- and three-year-olds to mature and they get great opportunities here to springboard into the future for them. Great feedback, it seems, on the Gold Coast surface too, where we'll move to not so long away, um, with night racing eventually too. Yeah, well, that, that's going to be a great innovation. I think if night racing is going to work, it'll, it'll work down on the Gold Coast. Yeah. You, you can just see the great skyline in the background there and, yeah. and the lights. Um, no, I think it'll be fabulous for the, the guys down the Gold Coast um, and the members to enjoy night racing. They've got to work out the, the program that works for everybody, um, but uh, uh, the main thing is they've got the infrastructure will soon be completed and, and it's just a whole new era for that uh, for that region. And yeah. We wish them all the best. Yeah, onwards and upwards. Um, hey, we, yeah, we just wanted to give you a quick call and say congrats on the weekend, June 45. It's always a thrill as an owner to get one, but... Uh, particularly poignant for you because you were there right at the beginning of the Sunshine Coast Turf Club. So, uh, Chairman, wonderful to chat as usual and uh, no doubt we'll catch up sometime during the summer. Thanks, Dev. Okay, mate. Happy punting and don't go the early crow. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Well, there's 20 metres between them. I'm certain that's riveted Andy Bickle, our winner of the 20... of the 2003 World Cup. Uh, Andy, good morning, mate. How did they celebrate your World Cup oh. victory? Oh, long and hard, Paddy. Uh, <laughs> we, went, we went pretty well. Uh, we uh, Obviously, we spent a lot of time in the dressing room. That was the That's the important ingredient to it. And then I think about about 1 o'clock or one thirty or something, we moved to another venue for a, a, uh, for a, uh, a party on there. So uh, And then we went, went for about... 
three or four days, but then a week's time we had to be in the West Indies. So uh, it sort of got cut short. So uh, we were uh, uh, home and then back off to the West Indies. So uh, it was a quick turnaround. Oh, you went home too. <laughs> so yeah, a couple of days. <laughs> did, did they do anything at home? Was there a was there a parade? No, or? it was it, it was a really bad timing with the Bali bombing. So uh, uh, any sort of celebrations were all uh, put on the back burner with uh, the Bali bombings going on. So it's always a, a good little reminder for us too, just uh, you know about life and how how. Uh, how precious it can be. So, yeah, we won a World Cup, but there's other stuff that goes on that can, uh, you know, make a bigger priority. So uh, that was okay. We had a few in the West Indies, a few Caribs in the West Indies while we were there, and we had a little bit of time to celebrate there. Yeah, oh, you got lucky there wasn't much alcohol in the Indies. The, um... <laughs> no, 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 no rum there either. Plus, plus Bick, was, Bick was over it, Paddy. The numbers of times he celebrated in Port Elizabeth <laughs> during the 2003 World Cup. How, did you guys have three games there? That New Zealand, Sri Lanka, uh, and a third one, England. Uh, yeah, we had England. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was the important one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, we had three there. We ended up with the semi. That's uh, one of those super sixes there against Sri Lanka. So uh, pretty cool. I did. I did run into a few locals there. Um, <laughs> a few years later, they said they have re- unofficially renamed Port Elizabeth Oval to Andy Bickle Oval. So, yes. Uh, it's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> there'd be bars everywhere too. You had the dance happening. You had the, the Bundy on the on the top of the head, on the knee. You had yeah. the lot. You had the lot yeah. happening in those oh, days. Definitely. Good yeah. on you, mate. Uh, how, would, how do you feel that the boys would be feeling right now? Oh, unbelievable heels. It's, you know, it's, it, is, it is a special thing and... Uh, you know, you can just see the way that uh, the World Cup, you, you sort of, you build build right up, you know, and you don't know how the group's going to gel together. But when you're sitting there at the end and watching watching the way they fielded and they threw themselves absolutely stupid in the field, not only in the semi-final, but in the final as well, they, they just saved runs. They made the they inspired the bowlers to bowl better. And, uh, and you know, then Paddy made some really good decisions with the captaincy. And I thought, uh, you know, it was just a real climax to the whole... The whole World Cup, and uh, yeah, you're so proud. I was so proud just watching them uh, go go through their paces. So uh, look, because they were just brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Be honest. After we lost the first two, and then India went on the tear, and we're just untouchable. Uh, did you think we could win it? Well, you know, we had Mr. Fix it there, and I, I speak to Mr. Fix quite a bit. Um, Manus Lovershay, who's uh, <laughs> who's in and out of the team and not supposed to be in the team, but in the team, and then and then going in there and winning a World Cup. He was playing for Queensland only a few months ago um, in our one-day game, so we were just working out what we were going to do, how our, we struck our batting order, and all of a sudden he was on a plane uh, to South Africa, and uh, you know he's played every game since. And uh, yeah, so I was sort of speaking to him, he's thinking, "No, we're going all right, we're going all right," and uh, you know, I think I think also Paddy, the fact that it is. India is now our, our backyard, and um, you know we've had these boys. You know, Glenn Maxwell. You know, he, he's pretty much grown up in India and playing in those conditions. And uh, so I'm still quite confident that we 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 could sell out conditions. The only thing I thought we could have had was one more spinner there. But in the end, the the, the spin of Maxwell and Head and those guys chipping in here and there was enough, um, which was brilliant. Yeah, and again, well used by Paddy Cummins in the final. They they are they both have a knack of getting a wicket for us. Um, you know, India anywhere around the world has got a lot of support, but that Ahmedabad crowd is a different level. Uh, I think we all knew we had to play better to win, and that we were capable of winning. But gee, that's a, a wonderful underdog performance, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was. And what a great call from Paddy. You know, let's silence the crowd. And, uh, you know, um, it was something that the players were held on to and they actually motivated them. But then in the end, it affected the Indian players because yep. they were so quiet. It was, uh, it was, it was quite mind-numbing in the way it was sort of working because no one was even clapping fours. Now, normally they clap fours any time. You know, they, they just love cricket. But yeah. not in this game. They weren't even clapping a four. There's fours and sixes going and no one's clapping. It was just a, a real sort of bizarre thing. And you'd see the whole 120,000 were just about to, you know, about to start crying. You know, yep. it, could have, it, could have, it could have flooded in London about yeah, they they look like I mean players and fans look like they were in a state of shock, and I know there's been criticism of the fans deserting the stadium and and some of the Indian players not being there from the presentation was made, but they just looked to be in a state of shock, didn't they? Yeah, they were, they were, Patty, and it's uh, you know it is a religion, you know. I mean, I, I think that people, you know, if you, what are you what are you passionate about? You know, I'm passionate about fishing. Imagine going out in the, in the bay and there's 800,000 people out there. You know, like it's just crazy. You know, just, I, I don't, you know, bloody 800 million people. You know, this fanatical about cricket. So it is it is bizarre. And uh, you know, they know heels are stats when he's played for Norse. You know, you know that uh, you know there's trouble. You know, because um, he's only played a few games for Norse. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I might have played more for North than you played for South, mate. That's quite <laughs> I'm 44. I'm 44. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, um, well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, let's get it back to you, eh? 2003 in South Africa, you silenced the crowds too. You, you know, you got seven for 20 against England. Then you helped Bevo get get enough runs on the board. Then New Zealand, you you went into bat at seven for 84 and got enough again with Bevo. Then the semi final against Sri Lanka, you bowled your 10 overs for 18. And uh, picked up a run out off your own bowling. So uh, what, that that was a, a tremendous back end of the tournament as well. Uh, you know, initiated heavily by you and Bevo. Oh, look, there was only, there was a couple a couple apart from getting seven wickets, it was pretty cool and a few runs. But uh, you know, batting at ten was something that was doing my head in. You know, <laughs> and I had to go out and do something pretty special to go up the order. And uh, I managed to get up to number number eight. I'm number nine in the end, and, and nearly got to number eight, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, at the, if you think back into New Zealand, right? So Chris Cairns was uh, was uh, the he was a superstar of of uh, of cricket, and uh, I reckon we spent about an hour and a half on him trying how we were going to get him out. And he, I think I bowled a wide one, and he flashed at it, and it went down to third man, and he caught it on the chest. So, <laughs> but you know, you just do stuff like that, and then obviously Sri Lanka was um, an interesting game because it was raining around, but um, uh, we had we had been doing this silly run out effect with uh, Mike Young, the fielding coach. And uh, we were doing these twists and turns uh, as the ball goes out from the offside. And he was telling you that instead of going for a backhand flick, do the reverse pivot thing, you know, and we must have practiced this for ages. And I said, right, Youngie, mate, I'm never going to use this. I'm never going to use this. <laughs> and here I am. In a, and Glenn McRae used to do it and do it between his legs. And he used to take the mickey out of it, you know, but uh, as Glenn did, you know, but... Uh, here we are in a uh, Aravinda's, well, potentially Aravinda Silver's last match in the Super Sixes, and uh, he's hit one out on the offside. I've run around in this reverse pivot and hit middle stump and run him out by, you know, two inches, and I'm going, Jesus, there you go, there you go Youngie, I did it. <laughs> and I bet, I bet Youngie was down on the rope with you the next over. Oh, he was chewing his tobacco down there, sitting all over the cup. He was, uh, he was carried on like a good sort. No, he was. He was, he was brilliant. You know, he was around Queensland cricket for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he's in 
in Iowa or somewhere up in uh, in America there now, you know, hunting turkeys and stuff and and taking it quite easy. But uh, yeah, he was a, a brilliant part of our, our little group, and you can see the the bench behind the Australian team as well with with Andrew McDonald and and uh, oh, I even seen Andy Flower there at yeah. the end. You know, so they've obviously got some. Some wonderful people in to help them get it over the line, and um, and they've done it beautifully. Yeah, Daniel Vittori as well. Hey, the, in the final, of course, Ponting was uh, was one of the you know and and made a century, didn't he? Well, yes, uh, Paddy. It was uh, yeah went to that uh, to the final in the Wanderers as well, which um, which was uh, you know an amazing sort of scene for everything. And uh, we had the threat there at halfway through. We went off and they actually stopped play at sort of lunchtime for for a storm that went through the ground. And while we are off the ground, after this perfect batting innings, we've made 359 in the World Cup final, and we thought, oh, there, there was rumours that we would have to come back the next day um, and uh, and restart the match again. Um, and we thought, oh, no, this couldn't. And thank God it was like a Brisbane storm. It went through, it only took about half an hour, 40 minutes, and, um, and we were pretty much back out there. So we didn't lose any time. But, uh, yeah, it was an amazing innings for us, I think. I think we went through that tournament. We sort of scrapped through a little bit, you know, with Simo, um, you know, coming of age in that tournament as well. And, Warning getting and rubbed out. Way through. That's right. Warning, Warning getting get... rubbed out. Yeah, he got rubbed out uh, early with his mum giving him a little diet through tablets. So that's uh, you know, and um, it was just um, we didn't sort of had played that well, but um, the batting innings in the final. Yeah, I think that's the best batting inning, batting performance we'd as a team we'd ever put together, and it. Uh, like I said, it just came together all, all pretty special in that last game. Yeah, look, at just the way you speak about it so fondly, this is going to happen for decades with this team as well. You know, it was our sixth World Cup. We appreciate you taking the time this morning, mate. Uh, really do. Just to reminisce about another great time in Australian sport, that 2003 World Cup. Thanks, Andy. Good on you, Vic. I've only just, boys, I've only just got a message from uh, an inside in, Intel back into India. They're still having a cool one, so which is great. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and we know that'll be the right Intel as well. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> There'll be a tinge of sadness this summer, uh, as you know, Heels. Uh, John Millman waving goodbye to uh, a glorious career. Let's hope we see uh, some more Millmania as this summer unfolds. We've got him on the line. John Millman, a very good morning to you. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Now, uh, do we go to the important things first? The uh, C-grade championship at Brisbane Golf Club, and you've now advanced your handicap to Hills, telling me to a 10 marker, is that right? 10.7, aren't you? Yeah, no, that is 10.6 Hills. It's all in the the, the small details, mate. So, (laughs) no, I've I've left C-grade behind me, but I'm not going to say I won't venture back there. It is... uh, very inconsistent, and I do have a look on the Golf Australia handicap. I, I do have a look at when my flags are dropping off, so um, and there's a, there's a couple dropping off soon. <laughs> mate, you you can start to live a life without such detail now. You know that. Yeah, mate, it's that competitiveness in me. I've actually got the uh, the Australian PGA Pro Am tomorrow, so I'm hoping the weather clears up because I'm keen as mustard to get out there and um, yeah, and, and hit a few balls tomorrow there. All right, beauty. Now, speaking of hitting some balls, that's exactly what you've been doing. You're getting ready for this this farewell party, I suppose, aren't you? I am, I am. Look, it's, uh, I wasn't sure if I was uh, going to go around again, but just want to uh, have the, give my parents the opportunity, a few friends, a few family members to, to watch me play uh, you know, one more time. Um, so I'm trying to get the body in good order. So I'm out at Tennyson right now. We're all battling to try to get on centre court here because it's the only real covered court 
that we've got out here. And with this weather, it doesn't, it's not too friendly. So I am trying to get a bit of court time, try to get the body in, in good shape and, and yeah, have, have one more bit of fun over the Australian summer. It's the best time of the year for an Australian tennis player, that's for sure. Yeah, because you want a bit more than a party, don't you? You, you want to get through, you know, you know, more than halfway through a lot of tournaments. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be good? Um, I need one more paycheck, Heels. That's the, uh, yeah, right that's the honest truth. <laughs> Mate, when you started, say, probably a 17-year-old, I reckon, um, and who, who funded you? How, how does a young tennis player become funded to get around the world these days? Yeah, look, you have really kind of three or well, two options, really. Um, that this, the, the Federation will either identify you and, um, you know, give you a bit of funding that way mm-hmm. if, they, if they see that you're, you're talented or whatnot. Unfortunately, I didn't really get that. I, I wasn't seen as you know, a great talent. Um, so then you really have to kind of make do yourself. Um, I, I was lucky I had one or two families who enjoyed my journey at the start and, and kind of helped me out a little bit. So yep. apart from that, it was, it was, it was really challenging. Um, the low-level tools of, of, of tennis, it's brutal. You know, you're playing four matches to get through a qualifying event at a futures event, which is the lowest tier. And if you qualify, you get 90 euros. So when you factor Jeez. in the flights to get there, your accommodation, you know, none of that's getting paid for, your food, et cetera, et cetera. So plenty of moments where you're, you're sleeping on floors and, 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 and struggling. Um, literally, if you didn't win a match, you, you wouldn't be sleeping, you know, in a, in a hostel that night. Um, and, and there were other ways around it. I, I played a fair bit of uh, club tennis in Germany and Switzerland, a bit like club footy. Really bad for your for your results, actually, because really bad for your ranking because you can't play uh, tournaments that, that get you ranking points during that time. But it did give you a little money in the bank to, to kind of invest yourself in that back end of the year. Yeah, and, and look, I was only talking to, to Crash about this yesterday, um, and he, he's written that, as you know, that beautiful article about how you went to visit Scobie Malone. I will ask you about that later on. But we were just talking about how tough it can be because, mate, you know, hanging around the golf circuit for so long, the superstars come in in their private jets and they stay six-star and they pay for nothing. They're probably on appearance money and things like that, whereas the battlers are there, you know, having to hire their own caddies and get their own way to the golf course and, you know, some of them have to go through qualifying to get there. It's it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's very similar, isn't it, to, to, to the tennis, what you're seeing on the golf. It, it, it is really brutal. Tennis is a global sport. It's played all over the world. I don't think we really realise that in Australia. Um, but it is extremely global, but we only have the one tour in tennis, the ATP tour. And really it's the top hundred that are making the money on mm. that one tour. So it is, it, it can be really brutal. Um, and, and there's just not enough money to, to, to be shared around. It's, it's all invested in that, in that top end of the game. So yeah, it's, it's a real battle. Um, and I liken it to serving a bit of an apprenticeship. You know, you're not going to make any money and, and you're probably going to lose a fair bit of money. But if you can get through that grind, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and, and that light's, you know, a, a decent-sized cherry, which is playing those big tournaments, um, you know, making a bit of money. Uh, I remember the first time I qualified for Wimbledon, it was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. It's a paycheck. <laughs> but also I finally get to play um, these tournaments that you dreamed of as a kid because you're not dreaming of playing in Patest Romania for, you know, yeah. a, a, a couple of hundred bucks. Like, trust me, it's... Uh, 
And when you're a kid, you're thinking you're going to be playing on centre court at Wimbledon. Yeah, right. But then you, so you haven't even worried about round one yet. It, you know, then there must be, you know, you look at the draw and you go, oh, geez, I've got Djokovic again. <laughs> you know, that, that, it's, it gets even more brutal. Yeah, look, when you do finally crack it, then you do play against Djokovic. Some of the things I was actually on the player council towards the end of the career, and it's, it's why I, I didn't actually enjoy, um, you know, the introduction of on-court coaching. You know, this has been introduced at the top level. I find that an unfair advantage to these guys like your Djokovic. And stuff. Okay. They're already, um, you know, have all the money, mm. they have all this, that and the other. And then they have their teams. These guys travel with six, seven players in their teams or, or people in their teams. Whereas you get a qualifier and you, and you see it every week at, at the tournament. You see a qualifier, he's done it tough. You can see, you know, he's been one of those guys that's been grinding away, getting his ranking up there, not really making a whole lot of money. And then he's not up against just Djokovic now. He's up against the other six in, in the box, rattling off statistics to Djokovic, rattling off, uh, you know, tactics and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's... Um, I use Djokovic because he's the most recognisable person, but someone I would say is, is like an Alcaraz. If you get to watch him over the Australian summer, there's constant dialogue with his coach, Juan Carlos Ferreira, his fitness trainer, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, look, it does create a, a bit of a, um, you know, in my opinion, a bit of an unfair balance. Um, but, yeah, look, that's, a, that's our sport. Yep. Yeah, I, I know you you value the team stuff, the, the the two Olympics, the Davis Cups, and all that sort of thing. But you know, as as great fans, we also do love that win over Federer at the U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah, it was special. Look, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I do put Olympics and Davis Cups as as my priority and as my career highlights. But when you do knock off Roger, I wish it was reversed. I wish I'd maybe lost him at the US Open and beaten him at the Australian one when I had, you know, the friends and family in the crowd watching. But that US Open was special. A, a little nice little um, uh, feature after you, you win on Ash, I never knew because I hadn't won on Ash before that, <laughs> is in your locker the next day, there's actually a framed photograph uh, congratulating you of your win on Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's at mum and dad's right now. Nice. Um, and, yeah, it's just a nice thing that's in your locker and, and that's something that will... Um, you'll take with you. One of the things in the, in the change rooms after, which was a, a bit surreal, it was a night match and it was, you know, we finished at one or one yeah. thirty in the morning. Um, but Roger had to hang around. So there's only two people in the, in the locker room, myself and Roger and Roger had to hang around because he was getting drug tested at the end of that match. So, you know, I'm kind of just sitting there. I'm wanting to kind of celebrate with the team a little bit, <laughs> but also out of respect with Roger, I'm kind of around the corner whispering my, my muted celebration. <laughs> and you're waiting for your photo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, just quickly, I wanted to say that the, I, I loved Crash's article at the weekend and it, it epitomised you. I, I just thought, you know, we know the battler tag and all that sort of thing, but uh, see for class when I think about you and, what you did to come up and visit Scobie because he's such a great friend of ours, Paul Malone, one of the great writers. We loved him in Queensland and you had a special spot for him, didn't you? I did. I did, Paddy. Um, and look, uh, when, when Crash called me up and said, oh, can I, can I write this article? I was a little bit apprehensive because it, it, that wasn't a moment about me going and, and, no. and seeing Scobie. It was... Uh, I just, he was ever present around the tennis circles and had been at the very start. I remember writing up articles when I was still at school when he was writing up articles. But also, especially when the Brisbane International kind of took off, it was, you know, you'd always be seeing him around those tournaments. And then one summer, all of a sudden, I didn't see him. And I kind of 
wanted to get to the bottom of it. Like, you know, where's Scobie? And, and um, I found out the, you know, horrific circumstances he, he found himself in. And um, it was it was super tragic. It was in between. Um, I was home for a couple of days. I really wanted to, to go out there and, and, and to see him. And, you know, he, he was an absolute fighter um, to the very end. And, mm. um, yeah, really, really touched, touched, um, touched me. Um, the sports journalist athlete dynamics are a really interesting one. And I think with every athlete, there'll be that one or two journalists that really, um, you, you know, you form that connection with. And Scobie was that person for me. Uh, well said, mate. And hey, we wish you the best of luck. You've got the you've got the United Cup. You'd be playing alongside uh, Dimonor there. You've got to qualify for the Oz Open. Yes, I do. So that's why the preparation's happening now. I'm trying to see the ball all right. I think. Look, if I'm if I'm hitting the ball well, uh, I, I think if the back if the body's all right, the back in particular, I do think I can. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But regardless, it'll be great to to fly mum and dad dad down there get them to see me play and um, yeah, hopefully I can give it a crack one last time. Maybe show court three would be fantastic. Brilliant. Say good day to Ronnie for me as well. He's a legend. All right, mate, we've got to get to the news. We really appreciate your time. We'll be cheering you on right the way through the summer. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> when are you out at the uh, at Royal Queensland? Uh, Thursday. I'm Thursday. going to get back for Thursday. I'll be in the uh, Amalki on the 18th oh, as guests of Emirates. Yes. And, um, yeah, we'll have a good look from there. I'm going to have a wander around. The suite doesn't open until 12. Okay. And I'll have a wander around early after the, our show here and uh, then relax in this the This is the world's longest intro to Gavin Kirkman, the PGA. PGA. <laughs> the CEO of the PGA. And uh, <laughs> always very excited at this time. <laughs> good, good morning, mate. <laughs> Good morning. I've just enjoyed listening to you guys uh, have a good chat and it's great that Heels is coming out to the uh, Australian PGA Championship. Yes. I was going to come Wednesday too, mate, but uh, I can't. I've got to go to Melbourne tonight for tomorrow. Um, so, okay. But I'm playing on Monday, playing the course on Monday with a Excellent. former manager of mine. Are you getting enough time to play, Kirky? I've got a little injury at the moment, Ooh. unfortunately, Heels. I've, uh, I've done a little meniscus in the right knee, so oh, I've no. just come out of... Uh, Surgery. I'm on the mend, and I hope uh, I'll be playing again before Christmas. But uh, it allows us to uh, to do other things, and at the moment we're really focused on a huge week at Royal Queensland. Yeah, we know this. This is a year round process for you guys at the PGA to get this field together. And I, I, I got to say, you got to be really proud of the, of the of the group you've assembled, mate. Yeah, we we are Paddy. You know, nine in the top ten, uh, nine in the top hundred in the world, and. 20 in the top 250 in the world. We've got um, a great balance of, of players uh, in really good form. And then we've got our young guns, our, you know, that, that are all playing so well on our PGA Tour of Australasia. So I'm really happy, um, you know, with the field. I think this week and next week in Sydney, um, we've got two of the best fields that Australian golf put together in, in probably at least a decade. Yeah, the big... Fold out in the paper the other day. Cameron Smith, Adam Scott, Minwoo Lee, Cam Davis, Lucas Herbert, Mark Leishman. Uh, you've got the reigning Australian Open champion, Adrian Moronk, is here. You've got a, a, a couple of South Americans. I'm a big rap on this Wacom Neiman. I reckon he is a player. Yeah, you like him now? Uh, yeah, he, he plays a, a really aggressive attacking game. Um, he's got every shot. So, you know, there's going to be some exciting golf. And the other thing is the form that some of our players are bringing into this event. Um, you know, with uh, you know Bobby McIntyre coming down from the DP World Tour, you know, undefeated at Ryder Cup and uh, playing you know really well again last few weeks. Um, Adams uh, played well in Bermuda. 
Cam Smith, second in Hong Kong, the champ in Hong Kong Open, Ben Campbell, Minwoo, Cam Davis, and then Mick Luthi, a young gun who won our order merit. Uh, he won again last week yeah. at uh, the Vic PGA. So there's a lot of players coming in with some hot form. Mm. You're CEO of the the your members are professional golfers. Um, have have opportunities open for them more because of live, or haven't we seen the benefits of it? Yeah, we have. You know, and and prior to live, you know, we signed. Uh, strategic alliance with the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour just on pathways. And and I think, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, we want our players, you know, we've got near 200 tour members uh, within the Australasian um, tour out here, and, and we want them to be able to get playing opportunities overseas. And our top three players aren't cards on the DP World Tour. So David Michaluzzi, Tom Powell-Horan, Andy Martin have all got full cards. We also got qualifying last stage qualifying uh, exemptions to go across to to the DP World Tour and then across the Corn Ferry Tour. So we're seeing, you know, you can play well in Australia, 18 events we have on our tour now. And if you play well in Australia, you can work your way through to the DP World, through Challenge Tour, across to the PJ Tour with Corn Ferry and then playing on the Asian Tour, playing in Korea and Japan. So I think it's, it's really opened up and, and, you know, with Live Golf coming on board, have we moved and have the global tours changed? Yes, but, yeah, our benefit is to see good playing, more prize money and good playing opportunities for our members. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And, and, and with fans here get to see the best of both worlds. We've got uh, quite a few of the Live players in the field. Hey, look, big picture-wise, and you're, you've got your finger on the pulse right around the world. You talk to the big players. Uh, what are your hopes for a reconciliation? Yeah, well, you know, they made an announcement in June that they, they've got together, they've started talking, you know, from PJ Tour, DP World and and PIF, and let's hope that, you know, the outcomes um, and those discussions are in place right now. The outcomes of the global tours, global golf benefit. And, you know, what we're looking in Australia, we want to continue to grow our tour. We want to see further big events come down here on a regular basis. You know, maybe a PJ Tour stop, maybe a Rolex series stop. Um, or elevate any of our events down here so that we've got some regular um, events on our schedule um, year by year by year. And, you know, where I don't think that'll happen, Patty and Heels in 2024, because schedules are out, um, you know, hopefully as they work through the process, we'll see more opportunities for more big events because we know we've got the capabilities to do them. Great golf courses and great event management down here. Oh, yeah, and globalisation is not new to us. We, we need it all the time. It's just so so locked up in America um, that, that they haven't really uh, opened their minds to globalisation, which should work. Yeah, and, and it will. And I think the players want to come. They all want to be, you know, it's interesting the last six months talking to a lot of players that play on on the bigger tours, they want to be global golfers. It's really interesting to hear that they do want to travel again. Um, back, you know, from the the Nicholas days and the Palmer days, they all used to come down and visit and play a big events. I think the golfers now want to travel again. And the other part is to come down to this part of the world, um, you know, bring their families and, and have a great experience. But play the golf and then have a great experience. You know, with all our tourism destinations. Yeah, agreed. Hey, just very quickly, uh, C. Smith, have you had a chance to have a chat to him? Is he ready to rumble? Is he ready to defend? Yeah, I, I think I think they're all ready. You know, out there yesterday, the, there's a bit of drizzle here in Brisbane at the moment, but um, I think he's ready. I spoke to his coach actually, Grant Field, 
um, late yesterday afternoon, and he said uh, they're they're ready to go. They get out here and they want to play well in front of their home home crowds. And uh, you know, Min Woo's coming out here as well. I think they're all they're all looking at Cam, the defending champ, and even Adam. They want to uh, take on the the defending champ. But I think the the Europeans that are coming out to play, they want to try and etch their name on the Joe Kirkwood Cup as well this week. And so I think you're going to see some quality golf and the course could not be better. Yeah. Um, the feedback from the place yesterday, pristine, excellent, great surfaces. So it's going to be some great golf this yeah. week. You're right, and this will just top it up. Hey, we'll see you tonight. Uh, big night for the PGA, the dinner tonight, Greg Norman medal, etc. We honour so many that do a lot for this great sport uh, this evening. Gavin, thank you, mate. Thanks, Kirkity. Not a problem. Gavin Thanks, Kirk. Paddy. Thanks, Hugh. Also big all around Australia is our very next guest. And this is where it all started for Australia. This was our very first World Cup win back in 87. I remember it well. We were at the Brecky Creek mm. having, having one to celebrate. Alan Border, a very good morning to you, AB. Good morning, Patrick. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. G'day, Abe. Um, yeah. Mate, well, it, it just – I just could not separate uh, your achievements of 1987 with Sunday night's achievements of the boys in India. They were, they were such great underdog performances. How, how did they make you feel? Yeah, look, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of um, interesting when you talk like that because, yeah, both, both achieved away from home in India – uh, against uh, the popular belief, I India were red hot favourites um, the other night, and um, England were red hot favourites um, in our game. Yep. I suppose the only difference is we were playing England in India, so we had fantastic support in Calcutta for, for us <laughs> to, as the underdog. There was about, uh, I reckon, ninety percent of the hundred thousand people going for us. So that was a subtle difference than having one hundred thirty thousand people in silence as um, you're hitting fours and sixes like uh, Travis Hesrod the other, other night. So, um, yeah, subtle differences there as far as um, the opposition and the, the fervour that, that that creates. I think, you know, the boys the other night, that was, that was incredible. To, to, to beat the, the host nation in that in, uh, atmosphere must have been quite incredible. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I think they've just got it on a points a points victory. Yeah, okay. The... But... <laughs> At least you had the crowd stick around. <laughs> if I'm out of bed, they well, didn't even stay, did they? Were they were in such a state of shock? Yeah, that, that was uh, crazy scenes, wasn't it? When you, you're celebrating as a team out in the field, uh, getting presented with uh, your, your medals and all the rest of it uh, to an empty stadium. As you say, a subtle difference when we were there. That was the fireworks were going off, and the crowd had stayed around to sort of cheer us on, uh, which was you know fantastic. Um, and, and a great atmosphere for us to play. And it was almost like playing at the MCG. That's, yeah. that's um, you know, saying something. But, um, yeah, crazy the other night. I mean, they just – India expected to win. Simple as that. Because they, they had everything in their favour. They got the pitch they wanted. Um, you know, they'd been playing some great cricket, uh, undefeated right through the rounds. You know, they just expected to win. They were red-hot favourites. And, um, yeah, it, um, it's amazing. On the, on the day, uh, things can happen very differently to and what you expect. So. It started right from the That's word right. go. Do, do you think the decision at the toss might have spooked them a little bit? Well, it spooked me. <laughs> uh, I must admit, um, I mean, I, yeah, they, they've obviously done their research and, and um, you know, pre-match planning as far as you know, uh, the, the due factor and how much that would play a role. Uh, in that match, but um, 
Yeah, you know, my, my memories of playing in India was uh, if you won the toss, you, you, there's no hesitation. You batted first. Yeah. You get runs on the board, then, and, and the wicket tended to slow up and, and offer some turn and, and was more difficult to bat second. But I, th- I suppose with day-night cricket, particularly in the subcontinent, that, that there's a due factor. Yep. And, um, yeah, they, they they did it all right. Patrick Cummings, uh, everything he touched turned to gold. It did, didn't it? Yeah, you've got to give him a, a rap. I mean, he's he's had his detractors uh, for various reasons over the last few years, but, boy, he guided this team through. And the other one that, I, that, that caught my eye, after the 10th over, after Sharma, you know, had his cameo, yeah. they hit four fours for the, rem- for the remainder of their innings, which is just most un-India-like at this tournament. Oh, that, that's an extraordinary stat, that in itself. I mean, um, just the, the way we applied the stranglehold uh, from that early onslaught and, um, you know, Travis Head, you know, what a, what a sort of um, period he's having with his cricket. Um, you know, catches win matches uh, and hundreds don't help either. But, um, gee, that, that was a phenomenal – it sort of turned momentum ever so slightly that yeah. you, know, you get Sharma and Berserk out with a, with an incredible catch. It just lifts spirits. And you can see the Australians have a bit more spring in their step um, straight after that dismissal. And all of a sudden, as you said, four four fours from that onslaught. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. And um, – yeah, that, that's how you win games, um, yeah. strangling opposition like that. Which is exactly how you blokes did it in 87. Now, I just had a flashback um, back to yeah. Paddy's farewell uh, function at the at Suncorp Stadium. I had a flashback. Yeah, yeah, you you were that cranky that day. It's n- not unusual Boy. for me. Uh, you know, you, you <laughs> g- give it to me every now and then. No, remember that tra- they dropped Travis Head from the Indian Test and and you were giving it to you said how, how's he going to improve how how is he going to get his play right if they don't pick him yeah. and and he he yeah. has bounced back he he's bounced back from a couple of setbacks like that and uh, great tribute to him well there's there's one thing getting dropped i mean you can't help getting hit in the hand and and breaking your hand which was you know terrible just before the world cup um was underway and and well done to the selectors and Georgie Barley, we don't give him too much, too many raps, do we? But um, uh, you know that was a good decision to to leave him with the squad, uh, knowing that um, you know he was you know cherry ripe to go for this tournament. Um, if, you know when 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 his hand healed. So yeah, you can't help the selectors' wrath um, if you um, get dropped, which I, which I thought was a strange decision back then. But gee, you know he's come back yeah. um, as a result of all that, um, probably better. Um, in some ways, I mean, you're a bit, bit of a harder edge to way you play because um, you don't want it to happen again. So um, he's worked out a formula that works for him, and uh, it's good to watch. Yeah, oh yeah, it was exhilarating. Hey, how did you celebrate? We've had a little bit of a, a chat about this on the show today about how they're going to honour this team. How did they? How did you guys celebrate after you won? And I know that Amanabad's a dry state. They found ways. Yeah. Apparently, they had government permission <laughs> to have a few drinks in the ho- in the team hotel, but certainly not at the ground. So they have had a couple of drinks. But how were the celebrations in India, and and what was the recognition like when you got back home in '87? Yeah, well, uh, we did uh, have a few beers in <laughs> Calcutta. It's not a dry state, um, and and credit goes to the Poms too, who who were opposition that day. Uh, you know, Johnny Embry and, and Gucci and all those blokes, Lammy, um, Gat, you know, really good blokes. And uh, they all, you know, to a man came into our rooms and 
uh, the, the celebrations were, were long and hard. Um, you know, with, with both teams, you know, England obviously a, a different um, sort of feeling with it all. But um, yeah, credit to them for coming in and, and, and sharing the moments with us. It was it was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I do remember uh, Simon O'Donnell's. 25th rendition of uh, Billy Don't Be a Hero. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's his go-to song you know, when he's had a few drinks and entertaining the, entertaining the troops. Um, what about so, what he was going yeah, through? We had a great time. You know, what about what he was going through? You know, a lump that they were massaging and turned out to be yeah. lymphoma. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah, whether well, you blokes knew that at the time or not. We didn't know. And, of course, I must admit, I, I shudder when I think about it now. Um after our semi-final win in Pakistan, which was huge, and we had another celebration, believe it or not, in um, Lahore, of all places, um, which is a, is a dry place, um, uh, I was giving it to Scuba because he, he wasn't sort of getting involved much. He was a bit down the dumps, even though we'd, we'd won the game. You know, he must have um, received the news about um, you know, oh, well. what obviously they'd done on the, on the, on the lump. But um, you know, I was giving him a bit of a hard time about, you know, not... not Sort of, um, you know, getting involved in the, the party because he was normally the, the first up there. Yep. And um, yeah, subsequently after the, the final, we found out that uh, he had lymphoma. And um, yeah, I felt about you know a, a millimetre tall. You know, as far as you know mm. how I was sort of treating Scoob because he only just found out that um, it, it wasn't good, but, and he had to go through chemo and all the rest of it that you go through. But um, thankfully, he's still with us, and uh, he's forgiven me. <laughs> he'd still be selling. He'd still be singing that song too. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the only one he knows. It's the only one he's know, he knows, and he, he lives. He sings it loud and proud. Hey, anyone out of this Australian team surprise you at how they how they went at this World Cup? They say, "Hey, he's a little bit better than I thought he might have been." Um, I tell you who you know he wasn't in the original eighteen as Labuschagne. Yeah, I mean, how important uh, he's played a couple of absolute. Ripper, ripper innings uh, throughout the tournament. And I think it just shows you that, especially in 50-over cricket, you, you, you need that steadying influence in that middle order. And I reckon that's where Labuschagne has, has played that sort of perfect role where we've got a lot of guys in that side that can you know hit and hit big. I mean, Maxwell's innings yeah. in that game against Afghanistan, I don't think I've ever, ever seen anything like that. Now, hitting sixes and cramping up and falling over, I mean, that's... <laughs> You know, it, just, it doesn't happen. And to make 200 in that situation was incredible. But, you know, you, you do need that sort of bloke at the other end just knocking around and, and building the score slowly but surely while the other, you know, the, the, the big hitters have their way. And I think that's where India, um, they rely so heavily on uh, Virat Kohli. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy made 700-plus runs, didn't he, in that tournament? Yeah. And, um, you know, when, when he, if he misses out, What's very noticeable that India do struggle. You know, if they lose early wickets and then Kohli comes in, if he's not a dominant force or gets out, you know they seem to struggle. So, you know, it's a big call. They've got a great, great sort of team together, but he's a bit of a talisman for them. And um, so, you know, that, that's an important role that will he plays. But you know, Test match batting style of cricketer can still, you know, do well in, in one day in international cricket. Yeah, and Australia, the Australian cricket team demonstrated their toughness to me. They looked way past the crowd and the sentiment and the, the confidence and dominance of India, right to those vulnerabilities, I reckon. That, that, 
you know, Shulman Gill up front. Yeah. Uh, get him out. Let's get a let's have a crack at Sharma and Coley and their partnership. And then that leaves a stress ire, and and we're through. We can get through these blokes. They were tough. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a there was a sort of um, yeah good sort of feel about the side. Didn't when they ran out on the field. Yeah, they've surprised everyone by winning the toss. You beauty. We're fielding what? <laughs> um, but they would they, they would all know, you know that uh, they've got that their role to play, and it's a it's a gamble. But um, gee, they they executed brilliantly. So, you know, hand uh, hats off to the uh, the management, you know, Andrew McDonald and and the preparation for that side, the way they just built to play their absolute best game. On the biggest day, so yeah, good call. That's what it's all about, Hills, as you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly right, mate. Hey, thanks. For Just your... one more, Paddy. Yeah. When when you got back in '87, Abe, was there a parade for you? Was there an official recognition uh, at all? I, I I must admit, I, I don't remember anything um, quite like '89 Ashes. No, got back from that ticket tape parades and all the rest of it. No, it was pretty low key okay. from memory. Do you reckon yeah, this was, one's? Was do you reckon this one's worthy of something? Oh, I reckon it's worthy of something. I mean, I, I don't know whether we're allowed to do ticker tape parades and things like that anymore, but just something, you know, uh, to, to to show the the guys that, um, you know, how how good that performance was. Yeah, good call. Um, and 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 how this spirits, I think, you know, just yeah. when you do things like that in sport, you know, Australian teams, you think about the Olympics and all the rest of it. It's just it just lifts spirits. So. I think that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, well said, mate. I mean, and it has lifted spirits. Jesus, it was it was an amazing performance, especially after losing your first two matches and the, the manner they did and for, and gamble yeah. on leaving head at home to get his hand right, etc. was fantastic. Now, uh, will you be seen at Royal Queensland over the next few days? Well, I'm going to try and get out there, Patrick. I've got uh, a couple of things on, uh, but. Um yeah, watch watch the real golfers go around, <laughs> and you sort of then you start wishing about why can't I do that <laughs> um, when you watch these guys play. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to try and get out there for sure. Nothing, nothing wrong with 180 off the tee, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great, uh, great. As usual, really generous with your time, and we really we love talking to you. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Abe. Thanks, thanks, boys. See you soon. Hey, big night for the Suns, as I uh, mentioned, as we uh, welcome you back. And we're here for Burbank Homes, the builder you can trust. Thanks to uh, Burbank Homes for joining us on Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. I think this young man will be fairly excited this morning. Oh. Heels. Jake Rogers, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Pumped. Yeah, I am. yeah, yeah. Is I'll it something you that you do celebrate? You know, you, you, it sounds like you're you know, of course going to get drafted, but it still feels like a great achievement, stage one done. Yeah, it was certainly something that we talked about pretty early on um, with the Suns, but it's never it's never solidified until, until your name's read out um, on draft night. So it was certainly a surreal feeling and, and something I'm still pinching myself for now. Hey, Jake, how, how does one or how did you make it to the Suns Academy? Um, so I think I was about 13 when they first um, invited me to, to try for the 13 age group. And then obviously I, went, I made it through that and then went through the ranks um, at the academy. And, yeah, they've given me such good opportunities and, yeah, forever grateful for, for all the opportunities they've given me. So at, at 13, are you wholly focused on setting up a, a career in AFL or, or you're playing cricket or you're swimming or, you know, Gold Coast, are you out on the surf? 
Um, I think I was a little bit into rugby. A couple of my mates from school were, were big rugby players, so um, they sort of pushed me into that a little bit um, through school. But no, I was pretty wholly focused on on AFL. Um, probably from, from about 13 to 15, where I was probably having a bit more fun, and then after that, it got a bit more serious. Well, talk me through Aussie rules, Jake. They say you, you know, you're still quite diminutive. How little were you at 13? And does Aussie rules still allow a fellow like you to show your skills to those sort of scouty types? Yeah, I was always the smaller type. Um, even from young, I was, I was always small. So I guess you get to you get to learn what it's what it's like to play against the big players mm. and having an older brother. Um, yeah, having an older brother to wrestle with and, and that sort of thing sort of helped me, I guess. And then I also played, um, I've always played my up, up in age group, so that sort of held me in good stead playing against some bigger players. So how were the celebrations with family, mate? Oh, it was unreal. Most of my family's down here in Melbourne, so it was good to have at least, I think I had 26 there on the night and then a couple more come to the after party. So, yeah, it was just unreal to, to share with them and, um, yeah, it was just an extra cherry on the top. Yeah. So what happens now? You know, you've been drafted. You, you join a few of your mates there. Um, what's the setup now? Um, yeah. So now we got media today, um, this morning, and then fly back home, um, and then we we get pretty pretty quick turnaround into next Monday and start start preseason. Oh, righto. righto. You, you've taken steps all along the way. As you say, you played a year up most of the years. Uh, you, you got from national under-18s where you're the MVP and then played um, a big part in the Suns' VFL success. So, have you, you know, how have you found each step? You know, does it get faster and uh, tougher all the way along? Um, I think you, you adapt to the level... Um, pretty quickly um yeah otherwise you're not going to make it but yeah. I, I i i adapted pretty well um to different levels and different teams and different players because i think i played with about six teams over this year so there's a lot of different coaches and, and game styles and obviously playing with older players or playing against older players is, is another step as well so yeah i think i had some good stepping stones that's gonna um, hold me in good stead hopefully to, yeah. to play some AFL games yeah, and now you link up with uh, with one of the most revered coaches of recent times, and Damien Hardwick. What are you expecting there? Yeah, I'm real to, to now officially be under Damien Hardwick. Um, had a, had multiple chats with him, and yeah, just a really humble and, and grounded bloke um, that yeah has supported me already, and um, yeah, pumped to be under him. So other players, uh, Jed Walter, Will Graham, Ethan Reed, you all know each other pretty well. I mean, it's this is all comfortable, isn't it? It's like putting on an old shoe, I suppose, now. Yeah, we've, we've all been best mates um, for a while now and played against each other and with each other through through the juniors um, and at state, state league football as well. So we've played it all together and, um, yeah, it gets the helps that, that you're best mates and it also helps to... So all get drafted on the same night as well. So, yeah, it was just surreal for all of us and um, something that we really cherish. You talked just a little while ago about how the Suns have looked after you and probably all four of you. Um, they've treated you like a proper squad member, haven't they? They've involved you quite heavily in all sorts of uh, planning and training. Yeah, I was very fortunate to, to be treated as a pretty much first-year sort of player yeah. um, during this 
Australia, did the full pre-season with them and was in most of the meetings during the year and, and that sort of thing. They plugged me in where they could. So, yeah, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. And, yeah, I feel like it, it helped me this year and helped me in good stead um, for all my games and, and hopefully going forward. All right, well, it's a it's a crazy 24 hours, 36 hours for you. We congratulate you on uh, on what you've done and the excitement of last night. Uh, as you said, you got a little bit of media today and then it's straight down to the hard work. Did you ever think Sydney were fair dinkum about you? Because we matched the Sydney offer, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, Kenny, their national recruiter, rang me in the morning and said, if he gets to that bid, that he'll, he'll pick me um, at 12, which was ended up 14. So um, I was a bit nervous, but oh. still, when my name, when my name was read out, I was, I was um, pumped to, to hopefully, if I can't match the bid, that'll be fine for so. <laughs> All right. Hey, well done, mate. We're, we're going to really look forward to following your progress. It's so exciting for you. And uh, as I said, the, the excitement's done because you move into a footy pre-season, which ain't fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's spot on. Good luck, Jake. Right, Jake. Yeah, Thanks, best mate. of luck from all our listeners. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me on.